Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Friday's here. Another one just every week like clockwork. There's a Friday. Hi, welcome to Talking Real Money, the Q&A edition of the podcast. I am so glad you're there and uh, so glad so many of you have spoken questions at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. You can just speak your questions there and then I listen to them and I answer them as best I am able. So go to TalkingRealMoney.com. Click on the contact form, send in your questions, or you can call us live on Saturdays as we do a show on Northwest News Radio in Seattle. Our number then is 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, every Saturday, 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific. But these questions come from TalkingRealMoney.com, and here's the first. Hi, Don. Steve from Seattle. I am going through my yearly rebalancing for my Vanguard brokerage, IRA, and Roth accounts. I currently have bond ETFs, BND, BNDX, and BSV in all my accounts, including my brokerage. I've been reading that it's a bad idea from a tax standpoint to have bond funds in a brokerage account. Should I switch to munis in my brokerage account, or should I move all my bond funds to my tax advantage accounts and just have equity funds in my brokerage account. That is, should I try to balance the stock bond ratios across the whole portfolio instead of what I have been doing, which was trying to balance the stock bond funds across each individual account? Thanks. We believe you should look at all of your accounts, all of your investments, everything as one entity across which you balance more tax efficiently. So the answer is, yeah, you should have the bond products which throw off income that's taxable in a tax-deferred or free account. And then in your brokerage account, that's where you put equity ETFs. And the reason I say equity ETFs is because equity ETFs do not distribute capital gains for the most part. They distribute the income, but growth-oriented funds tend not to have big dividends. Certainly not the kind of payout you would expect from a bond fund. So that's how you should allocate them. You should rebalance with more of the taxable stuff, like a REIT, for example, in your in your tax-advantaged accounts, and the, the more growthy stuff in your taxable account. So you have the right idea. Now, it's just a matter of using this rebalancing time to accomplish it. Thanks for your question. Now we'll go to the next one from TalkingRealMoney.com. Hi, Don and Tom. Uh, my name is William. I'm a 34-year-old uh, union carpenter superintendent. Um, I uh, took your guys' risk quiz. Uh, I got a 73 on that. Um, I have 
two areas that I could use your help with. Uh, the first area is with my retirement. Um, I have a pension through the union and I also have an annuity. Uh, don't panic. It's not an insurance product. <laughs> it's a, a supplemental retirement fund. And, um, I've allowed that to go in their default asset, uh, allocation, which is, uh, a good, it's a good product. It's a Vanguard target date funds. Um, but I'm not sure if I'm missing something with those. Um, if I'm missing maybe some more global, or if you think I should, uh, if you think that there might be a need for, um, maybe some more value or, or something in that and along those lines. So I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. Um, the second area I could really use your help with is I have a brokerage account with about $15,000 in it. Um, I'm building that fund currently, uh, regularly uh, funding it. Um, the withdrawal time frame on this is a little goofy. Uh, about 80% of this is going to be um, a shorter term withdrawal, um, about 40% in probably about 10 years, and then probably another 40% in 15 to 20 years. Um, and that's for uh, purchase of a home and what I hope to be my second career, um, the start of. Um, so my question is, I have all of that. Uh, it's that whole brokerage account is 75% equity uh, 25% uh, stable asset right now. Um, the uh, stable asset is 25% BND, and then the 75% in the equity is in VBR, uh, VT, and um, AVGE. The there there are a couple value stocks in there. I know, I know. I've seen the light. I'm I'm slowly moving them out. <laughs> but the, um, the question is this, what do you guys think of those funds? Um, and also what do you guys think of the equity to uh, stable asset split? Um, with it being kind of goofy, you know, on a 10 year withdrawal and then a 15 to 20 year withdrawal of 80% of the account, you know, am I am I too heavy in equities with seventy five percent equities and only twenty five percent in bonds? Um, so I'd be curious to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Um, I do got a tattle on Tom. Uh, he was giving away free T shirts, and uh, I'm shamelessly uh, tattling and begging for you to make a talking real money Christmas for me, and uh, and get me a T shirt. It's not too late help me have a talking real money Christmas. But seriously, guys, I really appreciate uh, all that you guys do. Um, you seem to have a really genuine interest in helping people um, and your advice is touch notch. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard to get good, um, clear and uh, wise content in today's day and age. And I, I, I think you guys really provide that with your show. Um, so I'll leave you guys with a Headley Lamar quote and I'll leave you to to do the voodoo that you do so well, and thanks a lot. <laughs> a Hedley Lamar quote. For those of you who don't know, he's not talking about Hedy Lamar. No, he's talking about Hedley Lamar, who played the governor in Mel Brooks' Blazing Saddles. <laughs> so we're going to do that voodoo that we do so well. Uh, in terms of uh, of 
the shirt bag. Uh, I do not have shirt authority. I am not uh, in the shirt list. Even though I designed the shirt, I have never actually even seen the shirt, except in pictures and on video. So you're going to have to get in touch with Tom. Um, <laughs> the best way to do that is shame him on Saturday. Call 855-935-TALK between 3 and 5 on Saturday and, uh, and, and, and tattle on him, tell on him, tell him he was giving away unauthorized shirts. And then, uh, then just, you know, blackmail him. So try that. <laughs> anyway, moving on to your, uh, your investing questions, plural. Oh, by the way, Union Carpenter. How cool. My, my granddad was a Union Carpenter for a huge percentage of his life. And what is really kind of cool is that I just voiced a documentary for the Carpenters Union, the history of it. And I don't know when that's going to be out, but uh, I did the narration for it. So watch it. Watch your local local for uh, for that video. It'll probably be on the website. I don't know. So I don't know. I just did it. Anyway, to your questions. Uh, man, that, uh, yeah, you, you should have, I think you should have small value. I think as you get rid of those individual stocks, you might want to use AVUV for a portion of this money. You you have a long horizon, even on the short-term money. I mean, 10 years. And then in 10 years, you're going to have that bond money that's that will have grown. Uh, so you may have enough for that 10-year withdrawal just from the bond funds, and then you can gradually start rebalancing into that. Uh, over the next five to 10 years. So you get back to a more conservative or you could even do bigger, you know, move, move more over the five to 10 years, gradually getting it into something that's a little bit more stable for that next withdrawal. So I think you can be aggressive with 75%. I would per personally be comfortable at your age with that uh, because you sound like you understand that it can go down and you've got some safe stuff there and you don't need it like right away. You've, it's sort of a a flexible need. So I think you're in pretty good shape. I, I The funds are fine. I would add AVUV just to give you a better small value tilt. You might not need VT since you have AVGE, or you could just go all AVGE for the 75. That's another way to go. Thank you for the question. And, and again, bug Tom about the T-shirt. I do not have the power to give T-shirts away. I've... I've uh, I'm way down the, the totem pole in authority. I just make podcasts. That's it. Thank you so much. Let's do the next one that came in from TalkingRealMoney.com, huh? Hey, Don. Hey, it looks like the SEC is getting ready to approve a bunch of those Bitcoin ETFs. Just curious, what do you think that's going to do to your Bitcoin tulip bubble? Just checking. Thanks. Just because you can own nothing in an ETF doesn't make it something. And... It's so funny that almost everybody who is uh, who has been in the financial business, who is a uh, an academic in finance or investing, uh, almost to a human being, they agree that Bitcoin is nothing more than a way to gamble. It's got the same value as poker chips. Well, maybe not even as good as them, because at least poker chips hold their value based on the dollar. 
this thing isn't based on anything. So it doesn't change my theory that um, it's just foolish money. But people do foolish things with their money, and they have since the beginning of time because everybody's looking to get rich quick, and they think Bitcoin is their route to wealth. And I just don't believe it is. You will never, and, and I can tell you absolutely, positively, never convince me that Bitcoin in its current form has any intrinsic value whatsoever. It is only a greater fool product. Now, do I predict that it's going to go away? No, it would be foolish. You can't say that human beings are going to, can you say for a fact that human beings will suddenly stop being stupid? No. No, we will always do stupid things. Heck, I just, I over the past few years, did a stupid thing. I got talked into a water heater contract with Duke Energy, possibly the dumbest insurance ever, and I just forgot about it. Then my water heater went out, and I found out that they, they, they cover like half of the cost of a water heater, and I put in more money than I'm going to get back, which is the way insurance works. But it's a dumb thing to do. But people will, including me, do dumb things. So it doesn't change my perspective one iota. The SEC is succumbing to political pressure, like everybody does at some point. Thanks for the question, though. I appreciate it. And here's another one. Hi, Tom and Don. This is Eric calling from Alaska. I love your show. I listen to all the episodes I can. I've been planning to call in with some questions about my own retirement situation. But what spurred me to call today is some comments you made on your episode regarding buying a home versus renting a home. And I have to accuse you of some things that you say about your callers quite often. Two things primarily, which is you might be market timing and you might be suffering from recency bias. When you said on your show that it's cheaper to rent a house than to buy a house. That may be true today, but as time goes by, that'll normalize. My historical sense is that renting a home and buying a home costs approximately the same on a month-to-month basis in terms of rent versus a mortgage. So just because today it's cheaper to rent than it is to buy doesn't mean that it's always been that way, and it doesn't mean that it's going to be that way in the future. The other thing you said is that if you want to sell your home, now is the best time to do that, and it's possible that that's true, but none of us know the future, and it seems like that's time in the market, unless you have other reasons why you want to be selling your house. I've owned several homes over the years, and I've done pretty well on most of them. We live in Alaska, and the house market here has been getting better and better every year for the most part. I don't disagree with what you said about long-term, maybe a 4% increase, which is not great for an investment. But what I think you forget to consider is the fact that when you buy a home, say a $500,000 house, sometimes you only put 5% down, 10% down. Some military people even get uh, 3% down on their loans. So it's actually a leveraged investment, if you look at it as an investment, but without the risk, because you're not going to lose more than you actually put in. You never shouldn't ever own more than you put down on a house or as you pay as you go by. And if you can get the growth on a $500,000 house, 
after only putting $50,000, that will change the calculation from 4% to something much greater than that. The other thing to consider is that you have to have a place to live anyway. So if you rent a place for $2,000 or buy a place for $2,000, in some cases you're getting the same thing, but in other ways that money that you spent as rent is never going to come back to you. It's never going to be part of something you can access in the future. Whereas if you do buy a house, that money, that equity will continue to stack up. I think both those factors make that apparent 4% gain over the years much higher than that, although I admit I don't have the ability to calculate it. I love your show, though. I think you guys are great. I really appreciate that you're making your episodes a little bit longer. I know a lot of people do. And Don, I think you should get a white hat, too, because as far as I'm concerned, you and Tom are both truth tellers. Anyway, thanks for all you do, and uh, thanks for taking my comment. Wow, today is long call day. Long questions, long comments. Um, Yeah, we were just reporting on the fact that currently renting is better than buying. I, I own a home. Tom owns a home. So we see the value in owning a home. And my home has appreciated. However, I've got to call you on your you can't lose on a home that's leveraged. You can. Uh, in many states, there is recourse. In fact, I, I've seen it happen to a lot of people I know in 2008. If you have a house and you have very little equity in it and the value goes down and you can't afford to make those payments anymore and you are foreclosed upon, which, boy, did it happen, it happened a lot in 08, and you don't have enough in the house to pay what's owed, they can get a deficiency judgment against you and you owe it. It's got to come out of something or you have to file for bankruptcy. So that's a spurious argument. Le- leverage is a good thing and a bad thing. It always has been. It's a blessing and a curse. And uh, I have it on my house, but I also have a ton of equity in it. So uh, comfortable. Anyway, uh, and as far as returns go, we have no idea what they're going to be in the future. But we do know adjusted for inflation, according to uh, a very detailed study of home prices over 100 years, uh, they've, they've not made much inflation adjusted. I don't remember the exact number, but I believe it was under 2% per year adjusted for inflation. So um, it was one something. So they're not big, but, but, but owning a house is a lifestyle decision. Owning real estate is a business decision. And a lot of people have successfully made money as real estate business owners. I don't I hate it when people think that and talk about it as a passive investment. It ain't passive. It's very active. You can't own real estate and be totally passive. Because there are risks involved, there are costs involved, there is work involved. It's a job, it's a business. It's a fine business. We're not slamming real estate. We both own some and have a ton of our net worth in it for the long haul. But we were just reporting the current facts, and that is, according to the Wall Street Journal, 
today, if you were going to go out and look at whether it's cheaper to own or rent, you have a tight budget, it is cheaper right now to rent. And we do know that home prices have risen dramatically over the not too distant past. So I don't know where the market's going to go. In some places, it may go down. In others, it may go up. The other thing is real estate is not monolithic. Uh, it Alaska is a far different market than Seattle or Florida. Way different and a lot more different than Kansas or Iowa, where prices really haven't done all that well. Thank you, though, for the call. Thank you for the kind comments. And I got to go get my white hat. And while I do that, here is another question. Gentlemen, somebody sent me a website to look at. It's called emancipare.com. E-M-A-N-C-I-P-A-R-E. Emancipare. They claim that they are not a financial advisor or planner organization. What they do is they say they teach you how to do it, of course, for a fee. Uh, they say, we're another pair of eyes for you DIYs. If I look it over, it seems, well, in my case, it seems like it's not really legit because I'm a skeptic at heart and have a hard time believing something like this. So I was wondering if you had any experience with this particular organization. And if so, do you have any recommendations on whether to keep away or maybe look into it? The main reason that this came up was she's having trouble finding an advisor who's willing to take her on as a client because her assets under management don't seem to meet their minimum needs. Anybody that she's found that will take her on is charging very high rates, 1.75 and 1.85% of assets under management, which to me sounds just outrageous. So I think that's why this emancipare thing came up, and she just asked me if I had any thoughts on it. I have thoughts on it, but I'd rather have more professional thoughts. So I was wondering if you guys did have any thoughts. Also, how do you handle finding an advisor if your assets don't meet minimum requirements for a lot of these? Sometimes it's 500000 Sometimes it's a million. Um, what do you do in a case like that? Yeah, it looks to me like they're totally legit. They are registered with the SEC as an investment advisor, so they are an investment advisor. They're just a flat fee or hourly fee-based investment advisor instead of an AUM-based investment advisor. And we've done an episode on that. There's good and bad for both. They are only currently registered in New Jersey and Pennsylvania with some uh, uh, ability to do business in Texas. Um, but, uh, and I looked at their information. I've never heard of them, but... It appears that they look over your portfolio, and for about $400 a month, they tell you where you should put it. That's what it looks like to me. So it may not be very difficult to build a portfolio in that situation because there isn't a lot of complexity necessary at, at a smaller portfolio level. It may be you send her to TalkingRealMoney.com, have her do the risk quiz, and allocate between stocks and bonds based on that. Or use a target date fund. Or you could call one of our advisors and spend a half hour with them, and they'll give you an idea where to go for free. Really. And they're not even going to pitch you because she doesn't have enough money to be a client anyway. Also, some advisors, like us, uh, will advise family members as part of our package. It's part of the deal. Uh, we won't manage their money because we can't, 
but we can help them get it allocated properly and look at it every once in a while. So there are ways around this. There are also robo-advisors who can build a nice portfolio for you and then rebalance it for you. But uh, it seems like a for a small portfolio, $400 a month is a lot of money. So I don't know that I would I can't suggest them because I don't know that much about them. I certainly don't know anything about how they believe money should be investment invested. I don't I don't know their investment philosophy, so I can't tell you much about them other than the fact that their fee structure is available at uh, advisorinfo.sec.gov. You can look at their part 2 brochure and see what they charge and what kinds of things they do, but do I think they're I don't think they're necessary. Again, depends on what that small amount is, but it sounds small enough that you don't really need to pay a lot of money. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm glad you're all there. Thank you all for being there. Uh, And as I said, it's really easy to get free help from us at Apollo Wealth, our firm. We do this for a lot of people, and we don't charge. And we don't push people to become clients. We don't need to. We get great clients because people know that at least we're trying and we're honest. And we don't sell commission products. (laughs) Heck, we don't sell. Anyway, uh, go to TalkingRealMoney.com, click on Meet an Advisor, and you can set that up. If you want to call us, though, and talk with us on a Saturday, just call 855-935-TALK every Saturday from 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific. And again, my thanks for listening. I really appreciate you. Take good care of yourselves and join me almost every day, except weekends, when we're talking real money. The opinions and views expressed in this podcast were current on the date recorded. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice, including any forward-looking estimates or statements which are based on certain expectations and assumptions. Although information and opinions given have been obtained from or based on sources believed to be reliable, no warranty or representation is made as to their correctness, completeness, or accuracy. Information presented on the podcast is not personalized investment advice from Appella Wealth. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for everyone. This podcast does not identify all the risks, direct or indirect, or other considerations which might be material to you when entering any financial transaction. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and profitable results cannot be guaranteed. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. The podcast is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Wealth, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Please see Appella Wealth's ADV Part 2A on our website for information regarding Appella's fees and services. Appella Capital, LLC, DBA Appella Wealth, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm only transacts business in the states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration with the SEC or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Appella does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing either stated or implied here should be inferred as providing such advice. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and important disclosure related to performance of any specific index or fund quoted in this podcast. I think I need a nap.